Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 722, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Let's read the passage. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this gospel to a Jewish audience, and his desire is that they come to believe Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Last time we saw where he began his teaching ministry, specifically his teaching, preaching, and healing ministry. People were attracted by the healing. Now we see some specifics of his teaching. This begins the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5 through 7, 5 1 through 7 29. And there's a lot of theories on how to understand and interpret the Sermon on the Mount. Some think it's the new law. This is basically the Old Testament law rewritten for Christians. And it's a bunch of rules to follow. Some think it's more of an idealized group of ethics, kind of a pie in the sky, what we kind of hope to, but never really achieve. Others say, well, this was laid out, but because of the delay, it won't actually take effect until the millennial kingdom. Some think it's a, the foundation for a social gospel, that it's just showing the basic goodness and that we should strive to make the world a better place. I think the best way to understand it, it's, it's a call for Christians to follow Christ fully. It's laid out, this is the way we should attempt to live. Can we fully do this? No, we're still sinners in a sinful world. But we strive for this and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to try and follow this model. It's not a set of rules, but it's a description. This is what it looks like to live in a relationship with God. And this is how we follow Christ. So chapter 5, verse 1, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him and began to teach them, saying, last time we saw the crowds, the crowds were coming because of the healings, big crowds coming from far off places. And so he sees the crowds. Now, the way this lays out in Matthew, it seems like this is fairly early in his ministry. It probably isn't. But remember, Matthew's not following a chronology. Matthew's following more of a specific types of instances to share. And so he's sharing this one. The disciples have been gathered. People are coming for the healing. The crowds are gathering and he's teaching his disciples. So he went up on the mountain. Well, they're in Galilee. There's probably not a lot of mountains there, but it basically means the hillside. And a lot of people think the traditional area somewhere north of Capernaum. There's a, a group of hills, and you can stand on one hill and actually basically 
broadcast your voice out over a valley and speak to uh, thousands of people and think that's the traditional understanding of the sight of the Sermon on the Mount. So he sat down and the disciples came. This was the, kind of the traditional Jewish rabbi way of teaching is the teacher sits and the students stand. And notice he's teaching his disciples. The crowd's there and they're hearing what he's teaching, but he's teaching the disciples because what he's teaching is how Christians are to live. He's not telling the crowds who aren't his followers, this is how you ought to live, but he is allowing them to see, this is how I want my followers to live. Now, some say this is imagery of Moses at Mount Sinai. Jesus has already been presented as the new Moses. And so this is like Moses giving the law coming down from Mount Sinai. So there's that imagery there too. Verses 3 through 10 are a group of sayings that are called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is Latin. The Latin word beatus means blessed. And beatitudo means a condition of blessedness. So these sayings are about conditions of blessedness, that people who are in this situation will be in a condition of blessedness. What's it mean to be blessed? Well, blessed means happy, essentially. And we often equate happy with feeling. I'm happy or sad. But to be in a blessed condition is really to be in a condition where you could be happy, whether you feel happy or not. It's But to be in a, a good situation, a situation that you would be happy about. And the Beatitudes are this standard format. The blessed are those who have this current quality, and that is they who will receive this future condition. So verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Uh, I think a good way to kind of rephrase that would be, know their need for God. That's to be poor in spirit. Know that you have nothing spiritually apart from God. You are poor in spirit. And some of this echoes some of the language of Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. We look at Isaiah 61, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. So this good news for the poor, so that's the kind of language we see in Isaiah. And Jesus picks this language up, and Matthew, of course, records it because Matthew's very interested in the Jewish nature of things. Before we get too far in this, how long did the Sermon on the Mount last? You can read the whole thing in a few minutes, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It probably went on for a lot longer than that. So there's probably a lot said that is not recorded here, but Matthew's gotten the meat of it. So the poor in spirit, they didn't know their need for God, but the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is where they accept God's rule. They know their need for God, and they get to live under the rule of God. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, we saw mourning in Isaiah 61. 
the end of verse 2, he says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, splendid clothes instead of despair, and they'll be called righteous trees planted by the Lord God to glorify him. So mourning, so often in the Bible, it's not so much out of personal grief, but more of being in a wretched situation. Those who mourn will be comforted, comforted by God. Verse 5, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Well, humble's an attitude. It's not arrogant. And the language here is from Psalm 37, verse 11. And it's almost the same words here. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. That specifically inherit the land. Now, the psalm passage is really for Israel. That the people of Israel, if they're humble, they will inherit the land. That was a big deal for Israel to inherit the promised land. But here, Matthew 5, Jesus is now shifting this to entering God's kingdom, which transcends geography. So whether it's inherit the land, inherit the earth, he's really talking about entering the kingdom, which is way beyond a geographical realm. You're talking a spiritual realm. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is language from Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, from Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. So who are those who hunger for thirst and righteousness? That's those who want to see God, and they will be filled, meaning their hunger will be satisfied. Were they hungry for it? The hunger for God. So how will they be filled? They will actually see God. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy in the Bible is so often linked with forgiveness. And so often we see the linkage between our willingness to forgive others and our forgiveness from God. When we see how much we have been forgiven, how can we not forgive others? We're told to forgive others as God has forgiven us. So those who are willing to forgive will experience forgiveness themselves. So blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is the language of Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6, where it's talking about those ascending the hill to go to the sanctuary. And what's it mean to be pure in heart? That is basically desiring God's righteousness. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. This is the language of Psalm 18, verses 25 and 26. Now, we talk about peacemakers. That's a big topic. What's it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, somebody to seek peace, to go about helping there be peace. Now, often we think, okay, peacemakers, we're talking about nations and nations. That's not what he's talking about here. There's a lot of different dimensions of peace. One is between me and God. And the good news there is that because of faith in Jesus Christ, I can experience peace with God where I was, God's enemy. But through forgiveness of sin and adoption by God, I'm now a child of God. So they'll be called sons of God. So there's peace between me and God, which only comes about through salvation through Jesus Christ. Well, there's 
peace between God and other people? And how am I a peacemaker there? Through evangelism, I share the gospel with people and they can then understand that they too can be at peace with God. But then there's another dimension of peace, the peace between me and other people. And how can I be a peacemaker there? Well, when I recognize there's a rift between me and someone else, I can look to heal that rift, to bring about reconciliation, to seek reconciliation. And what's the, the key there? Well, big key is humility and some steps to seeking peace with other people. First thing is look to God. What's God doing here? Where's God in all this? Second thing to look inside. What's going on in my heart? What have I done to add to the situation to bring about this situation and, and then that will drive to what I have to do to make it right. And then how can I be involved in confession and forgiveness to bring about reconciliation? Well, there's another dimension of peacemaking and that is between others who I'm not part of the problem, but between other people. That's where I can be an advisor to one or both people to help them reconcile. I can even be a mediator to help bring about reconciliation, to be a peacemaker. So there's a lot of dimensions of peacemaking that can be at play there. And to be a peacemaker is to be a son of God because we're adopted by God and now at peace with God. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. But we're told several times in the Bible that to be a follower of Christ is to expect persecution. Persecuted because of righteousness, that, that's uh, something that could happen with any of us because as followers of Christ, we should anticipate persecution. And the kingdom of heaven is theirs because all followers of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And that's the same thing he said back in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So these are the Beatitudes. This is just the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And it is a list of conditions of blessedness. That's what the word Beatitude means. And those who have this characteristic will experience this condition of blessedness. And the theme through it is seeking God, knowing God, following Christ. And that brings about a condition of blessedness. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.